Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by Christy Nichols, somebody who was recommended to me recently by a good friend of mine, Kim Tasker, who really felt she could bring something valuable to the audience about life, entrepreneurship in third world countries. And when I did do some research, I was just super excited because I've read about the type of business that she does have, don't know anything about it, and I was really anxious to learn more about it. So she has a company called Venture Within. And with that said, I'm just going to say welcome to the show because I really don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so welcome to the show. And maybe we can just start with, we'll start present day. You know, you have this company, Venture Within. I don't know anything about it except for that you do a lot of good things for a lot of people, a lot of positivity coming out of what you do. Yeah. It's monetized. You're making money with it, which is even better in a place like this. So maybe take it from there and just talk about Venture Within and, and the conception of it and then where you're at with it today. The conception of it, okay. Um, well, Venture Within is basically, just to sum it up, I, I educate people through purposeful travel. So what we do is we run, we run programs in several different countries. So Nicaragua is just one of them. Um, we're in Costa Rica, we're in Thailand. Um, and basically it's an opportunity for people who haven't traveled primarily um, to go overseas for a few weeks and to do more than just see a new country or to see a new place, but they're able to be part of um, important projects, usually in conservation or education. But I taught a leadership curriculum for many years, and I weave the leadership curriculum around their program. So people get to travel, they're immersed in a new culture, they're part of something really important, and it's all about um, sort of untapping their own potential and sort of exploring uh, what it is that they are capable of doing. And do you do that by putting them, say, not an uncomfortable situation, but <laughs> situations where they just they've never encountered that type of situation? Yes, before. but not on purpose. It's just it's just hard. I mean, I've I've been traveling for a long time, and um, but but I know the beauty of going through difficult um, experiences. So, and I know the kind of personal growth you can get through putting yourself in a place that really pushes you. And so what I do, like my staff and I, we are trained to help, you know, these individuals in my program get through that and come out the other side. Um, we do try to make it easy. They don't like purposely make these programs difficult, but it's hard. You know, we're out here. Um, sometimes we don't have electricity. Sometimes we don't have water. Um, you know, the diet's not what people are used to. They get homesick. Um, but I know that every challenge makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, like people sign up because they want the experience and they want something different. Uh, they want their comfort zones pushed. And then usually it's about week two where they're so uncomfortable. And it, they, they, it's the reality of what they're experiencing kind of hits them. But that's where the magic happens. That's where they get through it. And then, you know, I always say at the end of the program, if people are crying at the airport because they don't want to leave, then done a good job. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what I want. Yeah. So purposeful yeah. travel. That's really cool. Um, 
Can you describe like the age demographic that you primarily get? And are these like lost souls who are looking for you to like <laughs> no, change their young. life? They're young souls. So uh, my background is education and teaching. So I've taught high school, um, university, um, age students. And so primarily the people who travel with me are 18 to usually 25. But I've had 33-year-olds. I've had 45-year-old women um, come to Nicaragua with me last year. I get a lot of parents that want to travel with their kids. So I'm looking into possibilities for doing like family programs, but the crux of what I do is always education and leadership. And You're teaching them I'm to be how to educate people and be leaders. No, I teach leadership and the education is both. It's twofold. It's the education they get from being another culture and being part of a project. And it's the education they're able to give to the community we're in, whether it's teaching English or whatever, but uh, the takeaway for my participants is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that from living overseas and traveling ourselves. So no, absolutely. So then, how do you identify a community or project that needs to happen, and then incorporate these people into that? Like, how do you make that? How do I connect the dots? Yeah, um, a lot of work. I think for each country, it's it's different. I mean, I have relationships with, I guess, local organizations in each country. So, for example. In 2011, when I first started doing this, I just flew to Costa Rica by myself. I knew I wanted to work with sea turtles, and I wanted to work with something impactful. And there's so many organizations out there that they just kind of churn in volunteers and turn them out. And I didn't want that. I don't want it like a cookie-cutter experience. I wanted the real deal. I wanted it to be raw, but I also wanted it to be... I wanted the, the ringleaders of these organizations to be people who are really passionate about what they do, too. And so I definitely ran into... a um, like, I guess to use the Costa Rica example, the sea turtle organizations in Costa Rica that it, it, it was just selling an experience, but not actually like the heart wasn't into to some places that I used to out, but you know, when you find it, right. So now my group goes to the small little beach on the Pacific, which you can sometimes see from here on clear days, actually. Um, but yeah, so I, I you just have to do your homework. Um, so you, you seek out organizations yeah, that are really personally. passionate about mm-hmm. what they're doing. You mm-hmm. personally do that. Mm-hmm. You make yourself an introduction. This is what I would like to do. Yeah. Bring people in and help mm-hmm. you with your conservation efforts with sea turtles. Yes. And then you do all the logistics of making sure that the people you do bring down have a comfy place to sleep. Yeah. Food on the table. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of a tour guide, but you're, that's a purposeful tour guide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same in Thailand too. I mean, the, the programs we run there, it's not like, it's not a petting zoo for elephants. It's like a very special project that's unique from any other elephant experience there. And you just have to go there and meet the people, stay there for a long time and kind of see what the real deal is. And I mean, there's all kinds of experiences out there, but I, I don't know. We have got a fantastic reputation for having quality participants. We always get invited back, you know, where sometimes you hear about other groups coming in, they get complained about. Like I, I'm pretty, I have quite high standards with my participants that come in, um, but it pays off because it just builds the relationship I have with, you know, the sea turtle group in Costa Rica or the Mahouts in Thailand or, and here in Nicaragua, like this summer I just finished our first program locally, which was incredibly important, um, because it's new and because it's all like baby relationships and there's a lot of hands, um, that were involved in kind of setting up the projects we did there. And so... I don't know. You just got to like know what you want and then try to get it and fix. Like if something's not quite lining up, you just 
try to fix them. If you can't, then you just change, go another direction. So then are you picking these sorts of projects because they're your passions? Like it sounds like it's a lot of animal orientated conservation progress projects or injured elephants. I don't know. Like <laughs> why, why those two projects? Um, well, one, I try to wind travel with education, right? So the people who want to travel with me are looking to get hands-on experience that would be in their industry, whether it's in environmental conservation or marine biology or they're nurses or they want to be teachers or whatever. So I try to give them their experience. Like if, if you want to think about, let me back up a little bit. For somebody who wants to go to Thailand with us, it's not just go feed the elephants for a week, right? It's, I have a lot of vet students who want to know what it's like to work with exotic animals. So they sign up where they know their chores are feed the elephants, care for their shelter, but they also understand that the specific elephants we work with are actually in a community where most of the elephants are used in tourism, right? And so they're abused, and we see that every day. Um, not our elephants, but elephants who are actually quite inhumanely beaten. I mean, it's, it's actually quite horrific to hear an elephant scream. You know, it's awful. Um, but it just kind of gives my participants a little bit understanding of how the world is working outside of w- what they're used to in the States or in Canada or whatever. Um, and they understand that by them going to work with these elephants here, they are, or the elephants in Thailand that, that we work with, they're not being sort of that mahouts aren't actually putting their elephants out into a circus or for tourism. They're actually part of an educational program where the mahouts are learning like, Hey, actually we don't have to beat our elephants up to get them to perform, to make money. We can actually educate foreigners on our lifestyle. What is Thai culture? Like, how do we raise our food? How do we educate our children? This is how we take care of our elephants and give them a hands-on role. So I've got participants who think, yay, Thailand beaches. What was that movie? The hangover or something? Could have been. But I don't watch movies Thailand. that much. Okay. So that's what people think. And then they get there and they're like, kind of blown away by how simplistic life is, how hard people work, how little they have, um, but how important your day-to-day actually is for a community. You know, everything has a ripple effect. So I don't know if I'm making sense. No, I you are. Sometimes it leads me to my next question okay. perfectly because so you create these relationships mm-hmm. with these that sounds like very um, ethical groups. Yeah, and I would go there instead of just any other. I, I won't just sign off on any elephant journey. Like it has to be this particular project because mm-hmm. I know. The and then through the revenue that you generate from your participants, do, does money go into this yeah. conservation project? Yeah. Did you have a certain percentage, or is it like a negotiation that you have with these people before you start bringing your clientele to them? Um. Yeah. Well, a percentage of well, like a large percentage actually of what participants pay goes towards the whole project goes to the mahouts um income it goes to like the accommodation the food the transportation everything out there the the materials we need for a specific project mm-hmm. everything well it's an interesting model and i like it a lot because it's yeah. it's not an ngo it's a for-profit business yeah but you are empowering and enabling both parties mm-hmm. to really benefit and then and then paying yourself as well yeah and so you make a living off this yeah, and you're able to not have to go back to the States and try to like <laughs> hustle for two months to really make cash. Like you work your way around the world and how many locations do you have? Um, well, there's a little bit of a backstory there. Well, five really 
Um, and you're the, the founder and CEO. Yeah. Like you, these are your five. Yeah, these are my five. So go on, let's talk backstory. <laughs> <laughs> the backstory. Okay, so basically my first company was Adventure. And that was founded when I was living in Australia. I lived in Australia for about five years. I was a resident there. Um, I moved away from teaching to start this company. And our four countries there were Costa Rica, um, Thailand, Cambodia, and South Africa. Um, and then last year I went solo. So I started over again doing the same projects, the same partnerships, everything, except it's just me. Um, I'm no longer in Cambodia, South Africa. I'll try to break back into, but it's sort of like hit the reset button, mm-hmm. um, which is a good thing, actually, because sometimes you start going and you start to grow and you, you build up this momentum and then all of a sudden it's getting away from you, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually how I ended up in Nicaragua. But Meaning because you were just going growing too fast, you couldn't? Uh, Keep it under control? Or? Yeah, I mean, at our height, so probably 2014, we were running close to 16 programs simultaneously in four countries. Um, we had 20 people working for us between like our interns, our program managers, um, our admins. Every, you know, it was busy. And to keep track of like staff and support them and the participants and the quality control and the projects. And then you have like your admin and accounting and marketing and all this. It was just getting to be too much, you know? So I actually came to Nicaragua just to, just to rent a little casita. I'd never been here before. I didn't know anybody and just wanted solitude and peace. So I could just think clearly one problem at a time and try to put a lid on everything. Um, and how'd that go? Uh, which part putting a lid on things? Or yeah, like re- yeah, getting it all like tight. Ship. Oh, it was the best thing I could have done for myself. Actually, is to just try to tune down the noise mm-hmm. and just live quite remotely. Which I actually didn't realize how off the grid I was until I got here, like with all my bags by myself and rainy season. And anyway, um, yeah, it helped like me to start getting into yoga more and meditation and just doing the things I needed to do. So that my mind was sound so that I could run these programs with quality, you know, and not kind of lose sight of the purpose of the programs because I'm too busy with the admin and the payroll and all this other stuff that comes along with owning a business. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, but last year my partner and I, my business partner, and I, we went separate ways. Um, his focus was Cambodia, but I, like he, we, we actually built a school in Cambodia and which was awesome. But I know he wanted to turn that into a nonprofit and train the teachers up. Um, where I love, I love teaching the participants. I've always been a teacher, and I just loved, I loved watching, you know, people get off the plane at the beginning of the first three weeks, and some of them are so nervous. They don't know each other, and they're not too sure about this decision they made. Um, but just watch them come out the other side, a whole another person, you know, more confident, you know eating things that they never thought they'd eaten, like speaking in Spanish and just, they just do 180s, some of these guys. And I, I want to keep going with that. So I started Venture Within and I mean, just basically changed the name. Mm-hmm. Staff came with me and mm-hmm. here we are. So what kind of projects do you have here in Nicaragua? This is exciting because it's, it can go so many ways. And that's another reason I want to keep living here full time is because I keep meeting people who are doing pretty remarkable things in education and agriculture and nursing and health. Um, you know, and so I, so I, you can't help but like bump elbows with these guys and you're just, just out here on the beach, you know? So this last summer it was sort of a, I told my, 
my girls at an all-girl group. And so I said, all right, ladies, we're pioneers because there's a lot of ways we could go. Um, but we're going to do like sort of a sample platter, which I, I actually, I want to just kind of make our projects have one focus because then you can do better. We're only here for a few weeks. Um, so I don't want to dilute our efforts by having too many things on the go. But this summer I just thought, well, we can work in the health center. We can teach English in the afternoons. Um, we're, we're working to support like a kind of a, it's a housing accommodation place, but it's also a community center. It's, it's basically a place in San Ignacio where it could be served to house people who come to the community to do good, you know, giving them beds and food and comfort, that kind of thing. And, and it kind of need a little bit of TLC. Mm. So, I said, all right, for two weeks in the morning, we're going to work to do some landscaping. We're going to repair the access road. We're going to work with the neighboring farmer. And, you know, which I, I don't want to be like bringing a bunch of gringos to plant a row of corn that the locals are like, okay, thanks. You just messed up our crop. You know? right. But I think that exchange is important for, you know, my participants to see like, this is where your corn comes from. That's on your plate. Eat it. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Like it's hard. Um, and for, I don't know, just to start building those relationships cause it's, it's little baby steps. Right. So for these two weeks, we did, um, a mix of landscaping in the morning, agriculture work. And in the afternoon we'd prepared, uh, we had prepared, um, with different lesson plans. And I don't know, I, in Costa Rica, I pulled our groups from working in schools cause I thought it was too disruptive. You know, sometimes people just let, you know, us come in and teach the kids the ABCs they already knew from the last group of volunteers. You know, I don't want that. Um, but this community is untouched. And I just looked at it as sort of laying the groundwork for, you know, next summer's groups that come in. They're not going to do the same thing. I'm going to have one group that only does teaching English, one group that only does landscaping. We took a tour of the health center. I'm like, okay, we can have a dental day. We'll bring in like toothbrushes and, and, and toothpaste and teach people like teach them a little song about brushing your teeth or something educational and then give them the means to, you know, take home little dental package, something mm-hmm. like this, you know, mm-hmm. but anyway, there's a many opportunities here. And this summer I just wanted to see what can I do and how can I put my strengths and how can I attract people who have these different strengths or want to get these experiences and sort of form a cooperation between the community and, and my group. Yeah. So these people sign up and they're paying what I think roughly like three thousand dollars a person. Yeah, for three weeks. For three weeks, mm-hmm. which is all inclusive, right? I mean all they don't have to do yeah. anything Nothing. I think except for what you tell them when they get here. <laughs> yeah, basically. And they've most of them you said have never traveled before. Yeah, I get a lot of people who are <laughs> yeah, they haven't traveled before, haven't been on a plane before. Um and they're just getting their feet wet with you, kind of mm-hmm. like they kind of have a desire, but they want to do something helpful, and you just yeah. basically lay it out for them. Yeah. And then, I mean, I I think these people who travel with us, they have it in them already, mm-hmm. you know. To the, anybody who signs up to travel with me already has the lust for adventure, the 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 internal kind of craving to do something more. And so my job is to help facilitate a program where they get a taste of that. They're 100% looked after, but it's also like an independent job like they're going to get out of it what they put into it and i hammer that in with my leadership workshops um which are all about creating the space for them to understand why what they're doing is important and how it is that they made that happen themselves 
So it's really interesting because I mean, in a lot of ways, Misfits and Rejects is trying to help that person back home yeah. have that switch go off, mm-hmm. and then you facilitate it mm-hmm. by giving them a safe route. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, just because they have the switch go off, just like you pointed out, yeah. doesn't mean they're going to take that first step no. or have the guts to do it, you know. And and you kind of make that really easy transition for them, mm-hmm. and give them exactly kind of what we talk about in all these episodes: that real raw, real rough experience, yep. but controlled as <laughs> much the, as we can. <laughs> yeah, and and then yeah. they get to go home and decide if they like it or not. Yeah, I, you know? but they do. Like they are now teachers in Vietnam. They're teachers in Mexico. They come back and travel with me the next summer. Like, like I, I know it's rough. I know sometimes they're covered in mosquito bites and they've been patrolling the beaches for turtles for five hours and they haven't seen a stupid turtle and they're hungry and they're so tired of rice and beans and blah 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 blah. But in the end, they're like, "Wow, look what I did!" And can we go next year? And I'm going to tell my friends and my, you know, that's what happens. So it's definitely. Mm-hmm experience every single person I think should have one way or the other, if not with me. Oh yeah. Like definitely just go. (laughs) No, it's really cool. And I like what you're doing. Um, and it sounds like you've lived all over the world and this is kind of like in your blood. What was your first big adventure? Uh, overseas would have been going to England. Uh, when I was, I was 21 or 22, like I started late, like a lot of my participants are 18. I'm like, you guys are years out of me. Um, I went to England. I went for four months because I'm actually, I didn't study business or international development. I studied literature. (laughs) So I wanted to go to England to see, you know, the castles and the cathedrals and all these places I'd read about in British history and literature. And I wanted to go to Paris and, and I want to spend four months there. I didn't want to just, um, go take pictures of things I'd seen pictures of. You know, I wanted to live there. So I went with the university in, from Canada, um, Kingston, Ontario. So it's Queen's University. And they owned an actual castle that was in Sussex. It was a 15th century castle. It had like a moat and turrets and, you know, ghosts and a cemetery. And got freaked out a lot, actually, when I was there. But I lived in a castle for four months. And I lived with people from Canada, from Kenya, from um, Czech Republic from everywhere. So uh, what I went to do was to see these historic buildings and just like touch the old stones. But I fell in love with how incredible people are and what people are doing with their lives around the world. And it was, you know, it's a, it's a, it was an educational hub. So people were learning and they were traveling and they're exploring. And I was actually supposed to come back to Costa Mesa actually where, where I'm from, folks. Um, yeah. And get married. I had, you know, fiance number two waiting for me to come back. And I came, well, I guess I was probably 23 or 24 at this time. But I came back and I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> like, I'm going back. So I called it off and saved my money and went back to England. And I stayed there for seven years. Wow. Yeah. Got my master's, had a job teaching school and a house. And yeah. So the adventure bug bit you and you're willing to sacrifice somebody who cared about you to go, oh, to go out there. Oh, sacrifice. <laughs> I did him a favor. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked out. I definitely would have been chomping at the bit eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Is it hard to find, you know, compatible partners with the lifestyle that you have? Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. <laughs> My mother, I was so mad, not mad at her, but just the day she says, no, honey, you haven't had an adult relationship. And I said, what? Yes, I have. Like, I'm a grown up, but 
Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, you, you have and you haven't. Like I, like I meet other people living this lifestyle, which is moving constantly, you know, photographers, journalists, um, people who work in industries where they have to go overseas for a month here and then back in a month here, you know? So I meet awesome individuals. Um, but it's always a fleeting thing. You mm-hmm. know? So could you build your business and life with somebody you think, or is it, is it too difficult? One of the circumstances that you created, you mean being in one spot to nurture? Well, I mean, you have all like- these ventures yeah. on different continents around the world, yeah. which need your care and, and, eyes i'm assuming at times you know where yeah i mean it sounds like in order to like you know develop something personally you'd probably have to have somebody you like partner up with you, you bring them in or yeah. or they just have the same kind of wanderlust <laughs> there's a reason i'm single like <laughs> that's the, like it i just move but i'm trying to change that right so my programs used to run november december january mm-hmm. and then may june july august so mm-hmm. seven months of the year yeah i was all right, guys, I'm in Thailand, see you in South Africa, like constant crazy travel. But mm-hmm. now I'm like, okay, May through August, like, like I'm at, at the stage where I have well-trained staff where, you know, where we can all communicate all the time. You don't have to physically be there. It's you, you built a relationship. You understand the process and the communication is clear. So I always want to travel, but I'm kind of looking forward to being in one spot for nine months of the year rather mm-hmm. than in a plane. Yeah. The dream. We all have that dream of like nine months and then three months or six months and six months. We all kind of have that number broken down differently in our own heads. Yeah. But I like my nine months here in Nicaragua. Like I, the States isn't, I don't consider that my home. It's been 2001 since I last lived there. Mm -hmm. It's about when I left too. Yeah. You're from Nashville. Yeah. Nashville. (laughs) What was, what was life like growing up in Nashville? Fantastic. We left when I was 10. Um, but, what do you mean you left when you were 10? Well, my family moved. My mom's from California. Okay. So she was from the Bay Area. Um, but she raised us in Nashville, Tennessee, and I lived on a ranch. And there was no fences in between the yards. And my friend Davey and I, we'd play, I don't know, cowboys and Indians, I guess, or just go on these adventures all day. So I was always outdoors, always getting stung by bees, playing with horses. But... I just remember it was green in the hills and I remember the thunderstorms and I remember drinking tea on the porch and, you know, it was a lovely, for me, you know, it was a, the mind of a child. It was awesome. Um, but you left when you were 10 to yeah, move where? San Francisco? My, uh, no, my mom, she moved to Southern California. Her parents were in Southern California. So we moved back, um, to Southern California. And I, I don't know, like it, there was red wine in here. You'd still hear a little Southern draw that comes out every once in a while. Um, but yeah, so I grew up, my teenage years were in Southern California. Where specifically? Uh, like the San Bernardino area. So okay. we were inland. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know was like. Uncool. No, it's not cool. <laughs> but that's okay. Cause you kind of, I mean, it was a different upbringing, right? Yes. Yeah. My mom was, um, you know, by the time I was 14, 15, mom was single. She worked three jobs, like. I, I think I learned a lot of my um, ability just to like work hard for anything you want, you know, like my grit, I definitely get from her for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so teenage years, a little bit of college. And then after that, I was like, bye America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to college at Cal State and then my master's was University of Sussex in the UK. Cal State what? Cal State San Bernardino. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then England. Wow. I know. It's so... 
like and then how how'd you get to Australia? To how'd you get to Australia? Uh, I, it was always sort of in my in my sights, either England or Australia. And enough people told me, if you go to Australia, you won't come back. So I said, okay, I'll go to England first, <laughs> and then I'll go to Australia. Um, but yeah, I was headed there anyway. Um, but after seven years in the UK, I thought, all right, I'll go swing by, do the family thing for a year or two in the States and just be around for, you know, the weekend barbecues. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to see my family much when I was in the UK, maybe once a year. Um, so I thought I'd just be around, but it was horrible. I, I couldn't find my stride. Um, I tried to live in Huntington Beach, but in that time, I was there for about a year and a half. I went to Colombia, Ecuador, Jamaica, Mexico, six different states. <laughs> like, I just really couldn't, I just didn't fit in. I just didn't feel I could talk about my experiences teaching in Europe with like your average OC or inland, you know, I just didn't work. Yeah. Um, um, we've actually had this come up quite a bit in past episodes, yeah. you know, the repatriation that we all yeah. experience going back to our homes mm-hmm. and we all start describing the same way. Like you just can't relate to people. Yeah. They can't relate to you. They're not even interested in asking you about your experiences because they don't, I guess, have any interest. I don't know. I found it weird, but, mm-hmm. um, it's never easy and it kind of, I think, always pushes us back out onto the road where we feel that sort of sense of security, I guess, or adventure, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, where everyone in the States, or not everyone, but media doesn't help with the fear factor, you know, and yet we find this safety net on the road where there, for us, after a long, long enough time, it's like where you feel most comfortable. Uh, yeah, honestly, like my parents and I mean, and you guys remember my parents are like Vietnam War era and all their friends and they're like, they, you know, Nicaragua's on the news is like, the civil war. And when I was living in Cambodia, Vietnam, like that's where my parents fought, you know, and they're like, mm-hmm. what are you doing there? How have you never been like mud dropped? Kidnapped? I don't know. Like, but there people forget how much kindness there is in strangers You know, you can't be naive, but I, I don't know. My mom thinks I have like an army of angels and maybe that's true too. But I, I've been in a few sketchy situations and the way things worked out, is just strangers have, come to my aid when I needed it. And, mm-hmm. You know, the world's not so as bad as the media would like to portray it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your sketchy situations? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> How many do you have? Um, well, gosh, you need a few hours to hear them all. Yeah. Um, you can pick a country, I guess. Guatemala, I got, not, that wasn't too sketchy. That was just lost. Um, I think a real sketch, just, just potentially, Oh, here's a good story. All right. So when I was in Costa Rica, actually, I was trying to find the good location for our projects, you know, so I'd spend time in these places. And I was in Puerto Viejo, first time Costa Rica by myself. And I wanted to check out this sloth sanctuary. I didn't know that much about sloths, but I thought, okay, it's a cool little bike ride down the beach. I'll rent a bike and go. Bikini top, mini jean skirt, gringa in Puerto Viejo, which is the safest place right anyway so i took my bike and was you know headed north and then the chain broke off or got stuck and got stuck really good and i didn't have a phone or anything and so i was kind of stranded and i thought oh man what am i gonna do stupid chain and i looked up and coming down the street was this gnarly looking dude like rasta the gum boots like dirt just torn clothing and he had a machete. He was filthy. Just like 
He didn't look like he was a healthy farmer. It was more like maybe a crackhead. Oh, yeah. I think he even had, like, his crackhead girlfriend, like, waiting on the side for, I don't know. But I was like, shit, what am I going to do? But he walked up, and all I could say was, my bike broke. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's what happened. And he looked at me, and then he looked at my bike, and he said, I have this bike. And he got his machete, and he started hacking away at the chain to loosen it up from the gears where it all then sort of, like, just caught, caught up, and then he fixed it for me, and he fixed it, and he tested it, and he gave it back to me and nodded, and it's like, thanks. And then he walked back to his crackhead girlfriend, and I rode away. But I no thought, way. man, like, anybody else would have thought, like, that's it. Give him your money. <laughs> like, get out of there. But, yeah. But that's the one example of situations where, you know, the accidents just happen. Like, you just find yourself in dark corners you didn't know were there. But then not everybody is a criminal that's going to be there, too. Right. I mean, really, it wasn't sketchy. It was just you judging the situation, the dude. Exactly. In a way that was inaccurate. Yes. But to be fair, that those safety things within us, those safety instincts are there for a reason. And Yeah. It was a stereotype. And I was was. like, yeah. But I didn't, like, when he came up to me, I was like, my bike broke. (laughs) Yeah. And he helped you. And that's that's actually a really cool story. Yeah. I mean, I've had plenty as well walking on the street and judged an oncoming person dressed in in gang clothing, for Mm -hmm. example, Mm -hmm. thing like this is dangerous. And then they happen to either give me directions in a very friendly way or take me there. And it's like, oh, well, just because you're wearing all red doesn't mean you're, you know, a blood (laughs) or like, yeah, whatever. And it's, it's a, that was a really nice story. Thank you for sharing. Cause I think the audience, you know, can relate to those stereotypes and have, we've all done it, mm-hmm. and then had a really nice experience afterwards. Yeah. It taught me that, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. I mean, every day that happens, every day I'm like, this is just a person, mm-hmm. you know? They're just having a day, too. Mm-hmm. Today, they're helping you. Yeah. But at the same time, use your yeah. your best judgment and, like, <laughs> don't go walking down a dark alley looking for crack no. in Puerto Viejo <laughs> late night. By you yourself. Know, you know. Skimpily dry. No, it just wasn't. So, I mean, I think you can navigate most places in this world by just using common sense. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, maybe not everyone has common sense, but if you operate in the same way you would that you do back home, like in what you perceive as safe California or whatever, like... Oh, I'm more nervous at home than I am here, for sure. I hear that a lot from Mm -hmm. people who, like Aussies who have ventured to California, say it's the sketchiest place they've ever been. Yeah, yeah, LA. So, that's really cool. So, Venture Within. yeah. CEO founder sitting here with me, Christy, yeah. who, if somebody wanted to contact you, how would they get a hold of you? Um, this way is through my website or just email me or Facebook. Venturewithin.com. It'll it's be in the show notes. Venture-within.com. But, you know, it's Christy at Venture-within.com. We've got the live chat. Like, usually all the emails will get filled in my way anyway. So. And you fulfill a niche called purposeful travel, where Mm -hmm. you enable people to basically Mm -hmm. who have had that little switch go off that that adventure idea, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I want to go to a crazy country and do something cool that's helpful. Yeah. And you kind of facilitate that. Yeah, but what makes us different from any other organization that does that is definitely the leadership workshops. And people sign up initially because they hear sea turtles and elephants and travel, and they get all excited and romanticized by that. And it is exciting for sure. Um, But... The three leadership workshops are where people actually take a moment, which we don't always do these days, you know, and they think about what their values are and how they can place their values at home and here. And it just gives them the space to talk in a circle, you know, sometimes with beer or something, you know, just to 
Open like, up huh? with other tourists, or you're talking with locals. Just my group. So it's you, your group, yeah. kind of having a little mm-hmm. powwow about the experience they're having and how they're internalizing. Yeah, it. and I know nobody does that because the curriculum I use, um, like I co-wrote with my mentor for these projects. So mm-hmm. they, that's what they get. That's what makes them connect even more purposefully with what they've been able to do as an individual. That's that's it for me. You want to give a shout out to your mentor? Who's your mentor? Uh, my mentor is uh, Susan Martinez. She's actually in California, probably. I don't know if she'll listen to this or not, but yeah. She's also has, um, her background is in education and now she's a business consultant. So it's always good to learn the, learn how to do business from teachers, I think. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned anyway. So if we can maybe just wrap up with, you know, maybe some wise words from Christy. Oh, wise words. Yeah, I don't to, know. Uh, <laughs> penetrate um, the minds and souls of our listeners what would you say to, oh, them? to maybe just go that's all like just keep it simple don't overthink it i need to take that advice myself too often you know but just go like just just anything you want to do like you have this many years on this planet right maybe not as many as you think or maybe they're not going to have the possibility as you think but don't wait like take a month take six months just give yourself the experience um sort of swallow the fear I still do. I still feel nervous about travel on occasion or things, but it, the reward is tenfold when you do. Mm-hmm. What do you think is a good number to leave with if you were to just like take that leap? Like, how much money does somebody need to make that first leap out into the world? How much, like in their pocket? Yeah, to like go? what's your safety net? Like, we all kind of have one. We go travel. Like, mine's two thousand bucks. I want to have two thousand dollars in the bank. Yeah, I guess I would say not even that. I would say a thousand, but it depends on on where you go, of course. Yeah, and if. You can get a little bit of work online on the side, you know, or if you can or volunteer your way around the world, volunteer your way around the world. There's couch surfing. I know people who do it with way less than that. I know people who've done it with just a few hundred dollars in their pocket. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, like how creative people can be and how much it pushes them to just talk to people. Mm-hmm. That's what the world needs anyway. Yeah. Tomorrow episode, I think 44 comes out with Yazi Rashid and she left uh, Germany with 600 euros. And then she bought her plane ticket, so she had 350 left, and she's been in Nicaragua a year. Yep. Making it work. Yeah. Volunteering her way around. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Yeah. Well, thank you so yeah. much for joining me. I thank really appreciate you for your time. Me. Look it up, folks. Uh, Venture Within, and uh, maybe we'll hear from you again in the future. Yeah. Sounds good. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to... Choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.